Welcome to Digging In with ONN, a podcast that focuses on public policy and systems change that impact Ontario's nonprofit sector and how we can advocate together as a sector from decent work, reimagining governance, public lands, data and privacy, and more for all nonprofits, subsectors across Ontario, big and small, and in between. This series of Digging In with ONN will focus on decent work using an intersectional lens that centers truth and reconciliation, racial justice, and equity practices. My name is Kavita, and my co-host Yami will be joining us in future episodes. This week, we will draw connections between governance, decent work, and the often mistaken need to diversify boards to support systems change within nonprofits. In this episode, we are joined by my colleague, Erin Kang. She is ONN's project lead for our Reimagining Governance Initiative. Welcome, Erin. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. So happy to be here. Can't wait to learn from your expertise here. So for our audience, we have some questions we're going to ask you. So let's start off with uh, the connection between decent work and reimagining governance. And just a quick shout out to Erin also for naming this podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Um, It was an interesting, I didn't think when I threw in the name um, (laughs) that it would be chosen. So woohoo. Uh, yeah, so decent work in reimagining governance. Well, you know, in the first episode of this podcast, you folks really talked a lot about what decent work is fundamentally and how it's really rooted in values, right? Yeah. Um, and not only is governance, which ultimately is about who has a voice in making decisions, how those decisions are made, and who is accountable for those decisions, it's a key pathway for achieving decent work. But it's also about that core piece of how is your governance actually reflecting the values of your organization. So Reimagined Governance is a project which has a goal to disrupt the status quo, to provoke a shift, uh, not just in what nonprofit boards look like, but how we think about and do governance work as a whole. The status quo does not work for everyone and it never has. (laughs) Um, And so ultimately, this initiative is trying to push away from the idea that there's one way or a few ways to do governance work. And when Pam spoke in the first episode about how decent work is an exercise in building a critical pathway towards equity, racial justice and reconciliation, those are not light pursuits. And it takes looking at all the layers and interconnections in the sector and governance is a huge piece of that. Absolutely. This is no light uh, project to take on. That's that's for sure. I mean, I think in the title itself, itself reimagining governance, right? <laughs> so I think reimagining takes a lot of work. And then once it is reimagined, the implementation of that new vision uh, mm. is certainly going to take time and a lot of commitment from from folks who are benefiting from the structures that exist right now. So I'd Mm -hmm. imagine that would be a challenge to say the least. (laughs) So let's talk about board structures and governance within nonprofit organizations. Often we witness the desire to have diversity or representation on boards. What do you believe the questions we are asking around board diversity should be? 
<sighs> okay, so I, <laughs> not any, you're not getting easy questions today. Sorry. <laughs> no, but I actually love this question. Um, and I'm going to pre apologize for probably the length, but I'm going to try to keep it pretty, you know, straightforward. So <laughs> to answer, to answer, I'm going to do that annoying thing of lifting us up from this question to a bigger exploration <laughs> space. Excellent. <laughs> so one of the first things that came out of the reimagining governance work was really looking at governance as a complex system. So not just a, you know, a fixed entity or, oh, governance means bylaws and policies, but governance is a complex living, you know, dynamic system with many interrelated components and examining it from that lens. So rather than focusing on a specific issue, so let's take board diversity, we started from this idea that governance is a concept and its design is the implementation of that concept. So I said before, governance, um, how we've sort of been approaching it is who has a voice in making decisions, how is that done, who's accountable? So we came out with uh, this governance framework, which essentially maps out those various components and describes them and so on. And this is the foundation of the design work that we've been experimenting with um, over the last several months. Uh, a lot of people you know, contributed to shaping it. It's available on our webpage right now. But looking at governance through this more expansive view and actually naming all of those different components at play it really allows you to come at thinking about solutions or new approaches to governance in a different way than if you only focus on the board, like improving the board or diversifying the board. So I do want to name, of course, that boards are critical pieces in the governance system. It's just that they're not the only ones. Yeah, and it's one piece of a bigger puzzle. Exactly. Yes. And often um, those other pieces of the puzzle, they're there, but they're not illuminated. Like we're not focusing on them. And if you look at literature um, or um, like education and stuff that has come out in the past several decades, a lot of it has uh, rightly, you know, sort of focused on the board and how it can be more effective and, and communicate more with the ED and all those different things. But that's still just one part of that system. And so within that, there's a lot of myths, right? And assumptions around what are boards and what do they need to do? Um, one of our sort of uh, people in our, our network of learning, I guess I'll call it, uh, recently said, you know, this work really challenged what they thought of governance as. They kind of thought of it mostly as a set of policies and in fact opened up, you know, their perspective to seeing that governance is actually a system of relationships, um, of different things that are at play. So when you open up this more complex view of governance, it also opens up what's possible, right? So playing with this example of diversity on boards and getting back to your actual question, <laughs> indisputably, board diversity, important, sure. Let's say we kept this conversation only at the level of board composition, right? It becomes a conversation about how do we squish all those things you need into a group of, you know, eight to 12 people. Um, you know, I'm sure you've you've come across that notion, right, of, oh, we need to find someone who has legal expertise, maybe HR. Right. We, we to... need to check off a bunch of different boxes so that yeah. this group of people feels, quote, diverse. 
Right. And the boxes, like, the boxes are, <laughs> they're not just like, oh, yeah, legal. We also want to be considerate of all the various intersections of identity and experience. You want to represent the community. Right. You want people who are strategic and generative and fiduciary. Also, they're volunteers. <laughs> it's a tall order. It's a very tall order for a small group of folks. Right. And it also keeps any possible solutions rooted into this tiny space and ignores all these other components that actually play really critical roles in how decisions are actually made, but Mm -hmm. are usually left out of the conversation. So if we expand this question, how can we get more diversity on our boards? We start thinking about how can we get greater diversity and equity in how we make governance decisions as a whole? So it's not just tied to the board as a structure, but it's looking at governance from this high level of power and who's making decisions and where does that accountability rest? And it opens that space up. Um, I don't think that this is often an approach that we see in this conversation around like diversity and equity in boards. And it's sort of, correct me if I'm wrong, sharing that power that the board mm-hmm. has, right? Because right now the thought process is sort of like the board is governance, you know, sort of synonymous Mm -hmm. and that they have all the power, like they approve or don't approve of the decisions that the charity or nonprofit is making. But if we think about governance in sort of a more open way and in a more wholesome way, then it's, it's sort of reshifting that power balance too, right? Mm -hmm. It's you get a better balance of power across the organization as opposed to just sitting with one entity. Exactly. No, that's that's exactly it. And so we have this other resource right now called Board Essentials um, on our webpage, which really just lays out those minimum legal and regulatory requirements that boards have in Ontario. And it's much more minimal than people think a lot of the time um the 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 fear of of sort of the the legal aspect of things really holds folks back from thinking about different ways of doing stuff but you nailed it kavita it's exactly asking who else can be involved in our governance decision making and what other structures or bodies could do governance work that in addition to the board and how can it be distributed across the organization in a way that makes sense for that organization. Right. One more thought, like Pam talked episode one about um, how decent work isn't just about minimum standards, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's such a, a parallel because we don't have to think about diversity and equity and justice in such a narrow way as how can this one body be more diverse? Like that is a minimum standard, right? Right. And so it's more about like, who are all of the people who are impacted by this work? And instead of, um, you know, thinking about how they can be involved in this one way, how can we start thinking about really getting creative in, you know, filling those gaps? Who's missing from that decision-making process? How can we include them in non-conventional ways? Um, and really just challenge that idea that boards are the only space to engage in governance work. Yeah, we need to raise the bar, right? Like yeah. decent work is sort of raising the bar. Mm -hmm. Um, for employment standards. So I think, you know, if we can reimagine governance and think about governance in, in new ways, that diversity equity lens is, is a must have. It's not a nice to have. It's not, you know, part of the checklist. It's sort of 
assumed to be part of the process and then yeah go from there yeah so, it becomes the approach oh sorry yeah <laughs> exactly no it becomes the approach and i think hopefully we're seeing that you know beyond governance too uh, totally, as, as the days yeah. go on but <laughs> Um, so what are ways we can examine board structures as you sort of touched upon from, you know, a justice centered framework, whether that's indigenous justice or racial justice? What does that look like um, when we're thinking about board structures? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's such an important question. And I think fundamentally, this is about naming that the history of nonprofit governance is grounded in colonial systems and perspectives, right? right. That prioritize a specific framework and a way of doing governance and naming that and understanding how that might underpin how we do things is so critical to actually implementing any strategy because otherwise you're just going to stay at that surface level um right a lot of the a lot of the work and conversations that we've been having with, you know, nonprofit and governance leaders has really been, again, about distributing that leadership and power. And although we do have to acknowledge that boards, you know, hold specific legal obligations, it doesn't mean that they have to sit at the top of a hierarchy. And so then it's also about deepening relationships, not just plopping people into a committee and then figuring out what they should talk about, but really thinking about who should shape these decisions and how and you know, creating the ways to do that. Also, I would say, you know, um, there are so many Indigenous leaders and Black leaders who are doing work around bringing Indigenous and Afrocentric lenses and wisdom to governance and leadership. I think about, you know, the Circle on Philanthropy that does deep work around reciprocity and settler Indigenous relations in the sector. I think about the Black Governance and Leadership Project that, you know, these, these, people who are already doing the work and bringing in that wisdom that we can uplift and learn from in terms of how to apply those justice-centered frameworks into our governance. But every organization needs to be doing that deep work for themselves, you know, because they all have, we all have different purposes, different histories, different communities that we engage with and, and such. Right. And I think that's sort of a key point that, you know, a lot of this work is already being done. So I feel like sometimes Mm -hmm. when folks might hear about reimagining governance and rethinking about their governance, governance structure, it may seem like too big a task to take on Mm. and they may not know where to start. But and especially to sort of add that, you know, indigenous or racial justice lens, which may or may not be that organization's expertise or, you know, they may be in a different part of their learning journey with that. Um, But as you said, there's leaders already doing this work and that wisdom already exists within the sector. So, you know, if you if you want that information, it's there. And if you want that support, it's there. You like the frameworks, there's different frameworks that already exist. People just need to get going on the work. Right. Which is, you know, hard, but necessary work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, amongst (laughs) trying to actually have your organization's mission accomplished, I know this, you know, feels like a project on top of that. But as you said, it's it's necessary for us to raise the bar on how the nonprofit sector approaches governance and that it feels like that time is now, you know, and it it's sort of we're past due, like 
we should have already started this work. And if we haven't yet, we need to get going on it. So, you know, with that being said, structural change is slow and no one's going to reimagine their governance system overnight. And it can be (laughs) sort of a painful process. So could you give us some insights on the biggest challenges you're facing while you're managing this project? And it's been a few years. So if you can sort of look back at when you started and where you are now, because it's not all peachy and we know we want the end result, but what are those challenges you're facing as you're doing this work? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, the project has been alive for a few years. I have been engaged with it, I think, maybe around three years. Um, and when I started, we were very much in the space of, okay, we think we you know, have a sense of uh, this pressing issue. Um, but are we actually right? You know, we've done some research, but we really need to take a pulse of the of how people feel in the sector. And so I, I joined during a very um, fun period where we were really just connecting with people, um, connecting with nonprofits and asking them, you know, does this feel like we're on the right track? What are the issues that that you face? Um, and so I think yeah, reflecting back, there's a couple big challenges that emerge, um, but they're they are good challenges. It's not bad that the challenges exist. Uh, yeah, and we challenge... don't have to think of challenges as negative either. I know that yeah, we tend to totally. assume that, but <laughs> exactly. And I think that's really important to name because you know what we're trying to do is make new stuff <laughs> that's really hard, you know, yeah. and we're we're asking busy teams to like stretch their brains on what could be possible in their work when they've been doing things, you know, how they've been doing it for, for however long. So that challenge of inertia is definitely there. And there's also those structural realities in the sector that will make those big changes challenging to implement, especially now for some organizations. And there's disproportionate impacts to how different nonprofits can carry out big change management stuff. Right. So um, and then beyond those challenges, even if everything was totally awesome in the sector, uh, it's still easier not to change anything about how you do stuff, right? So to some degree, there's this challenge of inertia. And um, well, you know, this is how we've done things, nothing is drastically on fire. So why would we, you know, take the time to, to do this work? The status quo is the status quo for a reason. And it remains right. in place because it's a powerful structure, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and disrupting that status quo and sort of creating a new status quo, it's, it's years of work and it's a lot of work. And as I sort of said at the beginning of this podcast, there's many folks that benefit from the status quo as it stands Mm -hmm. Um, in this context, you know, governance specific. So why would they change that structure? It's working for them as it mm-hmm. is, right? And it's mm-hmm. not enough to say, oh, well, it's not taking, you know, indigenous justice or racial justice into account. And I think mm-hmm. that's why the response sometimes can be, well, we'll diversify our board. Right. Yeah. Right? Like that feels like, well, and then we're sort of good to go. 
And it's like, wow. Right. And it's actionable, like, and you can see it. So it's, it feels like, oh, maybe, you know, this is a win. And again, like, nothing's wrong. No, and it is <laughs> a know, win. You should, you should board. have a diverse board. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's like not putting all those eggs, in, di- diversity eggs in one basket. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but, you know, I think in response to that challenge is that's why our goal is not, you know, 70% of nonprofits have reimagined their governance <laughs> right. or used our tools. Like, it's really about provoking that shift in thinking, right? Because thinking about something different um, that's that long-term change. Uh, it's that mindset shift that is the thing that can push other structural changes. And we were even shocked. So in the past several months, we've been um, working alongside some uh, various nonprofits in Ontario. We've been testing some of our thinking, some of our tools and such with these folks in, in spaces called Learning Labs, right? And when we started recruiting for the Learning Labs early in 2021, still in the midst of COVID um, and everything just being so uncertain, challenging, emergent, we had so much interest from organizations that even though they were busy and uh, facing a very different new reality. Yes. And not, you know, being like, hey, we have this burning governance issue that we need to fix. They came kind of being like, we see an opportunity to do things differently. Mm -hmm. We see an opportunity to apply some of the learnings that we've been taking out of this time and applying that to how we do our governance. So we were pretty pleasantly surprised that the appetite was there. And it's it's about those early ripples, right? That right. will eventually lead to a wave. So that's that's how I feel better about that challenge. Oh, for sure. It's a step-by-step, step, right? Like you have to take <laughs> right, step exactly. one before we can sort of topple over <laughs> systems that have existed yeah, for a long time. And it's kind of like both. It's like, yes, the change is going to be slow to actually implement things and do things well and with intentionality and all that. But also, let's radically change how we think about governance right now. <laughs> so it's kind of like <laughs> yes. holding those, both of those things. Um, and I think that makes me think of another challenge, which is just straight up the challenge of thinking differently about something that feels really fixed. Right. And and there, as I keep saying, there haven't been huge shifts in how we do governance work. And so, um, you know, or at least it's been pretty incremental. As I said, it's not easy to create new things from scratch. And that's also why the approach we're taking is not, OK, we're going to just make another model that we hope fits, you know, all 58,000 nonprofits in Ontario and beyond. Mm-hmm. But actually figuring out how can nonprofits actually take the design of their governance into their own hands and use the the experience and expertise that they have as people on that team to figure out what is going to work best for them. This really helped me think about what are we actually doing with reimagining governance? And it's my favorite analogy because it has to do with playgrounds. So there's um, a show called Abstract, The Art of Design. And when we honed in on design as sort of the fundamental thing to focus on with reimagining governance, I sort of, I started thinking about video games, <laughs> art, like all of these different things that inform, like, how do we move through right. the world, right? Um, so this one episode focuses on this toy maker 
uh, which is the best job, like toy inventor. Their name is Cass Holman. And they share about this playground revolution that was happening. So it, I think it was um, sort of in the late 90s, early 2000s, maybe, where playgrounds, both like public and in schools, like they were going through this big thing that people wanted prettier and more interesting and cooler playgrounds. But what was happening is that they were all just uh, sculptural changes, right. right? So, for example, it's like a slide, but it's an elephant, <laughs> Or um, it's a swing set, but you swing on tires instead of a plank. So pretty much designing for the same kind of play, just making it look different. Right. Not very revolutionary, not quite innovation. Superficial change. Exactly. And that's sort of the, the connection to just thinking about, for example, diversifying boards. Like, how can we structurally change this thing that inherently is is more than just the people around the table, right? And so um, Cass goes on to say that when you're thinking about revolutionizing something, like changing something from its core, or not from its core, but um, really innovating what it is, what it looks like, you have to think about that core. What are the core functions or that core purpose that exist and how else can they be facilitated? So I'll use the example of a slide, Kavita. Like what, what if you were to think about what a slide does, what does it do? I mean, it takes you from one place to another, <laughs> usually yes. from top yeah, to exactly. bottom. There may be a bump or a turn in the middle. <laughs> Yes, like a momentary, like, you know, a sense of falling or yes. a sense of momentum, right? Yes. So how else can that be facilitated, right? And so Cass kind of goes on to share different kinds of um, playground models, right. I guess, where people are thinking about how else can we create that experience, that mm -hmm. feeling and or those functions. And so they encourage us to think about asking what moments you want to design for. And I think that that's such an apt way of thinking about governance as well, is thinking about what are we designing? What are those functions? They're more than just what we conventionally think of as board responsibilities. The functions of governance are actually pretty exciting. They're like holding the strategic vision of the organization, like thinking about its future and how it responds to risks. And that's not something that actually only has to be done by the board. In fact, our board essential says, you know, board, board directors must be assured that these things are being done. They don't have to control it. They don't have to dictate it. They, you know, they, they might be involved in it in various ways, but it's all just about that assurance. So when we're thinking about governance, how can we really think about form following function um, and apply that to, to how we work? That's a great, that's a really great analogy. And I feel like it can work in so many different contexts, right? Like what are the moments mm -hmm. you're designing for and not just thinking yeah. about that superficial change? So now for listeners who may not be super familiar with this project, you mentioned learning labs. Can you give a quick like little summary of what learning labs are um, and your work around that? Yeah, for sure. So as I mentioned, when we kind of affirmed that we were on the right track saying, you know, we need to look at the design of governance and we need to figure out ways to enable nonprofits to actually do governance differently we knew that we couldn't just do another model. So like we couldn't just prescribe something right. new, right? 
Um, <laughs> Replace so, yours with uh, ours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, done. Um, so instead, we started to think about, okay, well, what's an approach or what's a journey that could be supported by various tools that nonprofits could kind of undertake? And we started to co-create what that could look like with a lot of just different nonprofit leaders, capacity builders. Um, we've been ref- referring to them as our governance champions who really fed into, for example, the creation of the governance framework and the board essentials. And when we kind of came up with a, we think we have a reflective process that will do (laughs) what we hope will, you know, what we're hoping for. We also knew we couldn't just like do a a traditional pilot. Right. Um, What we had was it really needed to be built on more through lived experience. And so we reached out to organizations who were kind of ready to take on the amount of time and energy to do this work um, and started working alongside uh, several of those nonprofits. So we've been doing sort of two hour sessions, you know, every few weeks and exploring in each session um, a different part of uh, the process that we um, start working on. And they're learning labs because we're literally <laughs> changing, updating, adding to your learning as um, you go, shortening. It's... Yeah, exactly. And it's also that we can share everything with the sector um, in the spring, which we're really excited to. And we knew that we just needed to really pressure test everything with with real teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're sort of in the wrapping up space about to enter into the debriefing. Okay, what did we learn? How can we make this better before we share it space? Yeah, it's it's a pretty exciting time. We've we've learned a lot. And one of the things we know is going to be really critical to any kind of movement to reimagine governance is um, sharing stories and giving examples. So we're really excited to start um, sharing what we learned. That sounds really exciting. And um, for listeners who are interested in learning more about that, you can stay tuned to, you know, ONN's website and our social will, of course, share updates about reimagining governance as they are available to all. Um, So before, so as we wrap up, Erin, are there maybe three or so key points that, you know, we can hone in on when that people can sort of think about as they're seeking to reimagine governance, but also implement anti-racist and practices of reciprocity within their board structures and overall leadership team. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> sum up your work in three bullet yeah. points. <laughs> I will share some musings and um, certainly say that these are not a checklist, but rather here's some stuff to think about. So the first, as I've continued to say, is just expanding the perspective, right? Um, Considering who else has decision-making power or influence. Um, Some of our early, early work, uh, we identified an ecosystem where we actually demonstrate that there's many factors in people who influence governance, like external, internal, uh, their systems level, organizationally. So expanding the perspective and really including that larger web in anti-racism and anti-oppression work, I think that's really key. Um, Mm -hmm. Not seeing, you know, governance work as just separate from equity work and separate from leadership work. Yeah. 
The second is, it's probably a difficult one um, or a challenging one, uh, just knowing the demands on the, on the sector and its workers, but spending time reflecting on and exploring um, and naming the governance culture of your organization. Um, there's often work done on organizational culture, but not specifically governance culture. And that actually really significantly shapes how governance work is done, right? It's like those, like how you make decisions, who do you value? How do you assess risks? How do you negotiate conflict? Like these are all driven by those deeper mindsets. And that is again, very much tied into, to equity and justice work. So there's that. Um, and finally, just thinking about reciprocity, like everything here sounds so big, but when you boil it down, it's about those relationships. It's about that intentionality and the fact that it's ongoing work um, that won't ever be done. But looking at looking at it from this more expansive view and doing the work of asking those different questions, I think starting there allows for a really different possibility like horizon of possibilities to be totally cheesy mm-hmm. than just limiting conversations to all right let's diversify our board <laughs> <laughs> the go-to solution yeah um you know and what i've learned in the time that i've been at onn and you know the little time that we've gotten to spend together sort of discussing this project is that it's it's not meant to be a guide, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of this project, it's not like there'll be a how to mm-hmm. reimagine governance, right. take these five steps. It's, you know, a lot of what you've mentioned is about supporting organizations to ask different questions, yes. ask bold questions, yeah. ask smarter questions, ask different questions that they've asked, then they've asked before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of important for people to take away is that the goal of this project is not to dictate, like you said, it's not to, you know, replace the structure you have with a new structure that we've created. Mm -hmm. It's about guiding the process of what's going to work for you and for your organization, because it's going to be unique. There isn't going to be a one size fits all. And I think that's why it's wonderful that we're going to share, you know, what we've learned through the learning labs, because if people can see sort of the process that other organizations have been through, Mm -hmm. you know, it gives them some insight into the process and, and what they may be embarking upon in the future. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And to give multiple entry points, right? Like not every organization is going to be ready to go through all the things that happened in the learning lab, but could they right. have an intentional conversation about their culture and how it impacts how they make decisions? Yeah, probably. Thank you, Erin. Thank you for the work that you do on this project and in the sector. Uh, and thank you to our listeners for tuning into this episode. I'm your host, Kavita. And as mentioned previously, Yami will be joining us uh, in a future episode. We hope that you'll join us uh, as we keep digging into the issues that matter to the nonprofit sector. Make sure to share, rate, and subscribe so you're the first to know when new episodes are live. Thank you.